0: This is the Law Podcasting Podcast, where you learn how to use modern media to get your message out, and more good clients to your law practice. Here's your host, Gordon Firemark. All right, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Law Podcasting Podcast. I'm your host, Gordon Firemark, and this is the show where I bring you information about how lawyers are using the power of podcasting to support and develop their businesses, even if they're not podcasting specifically about legal subjects. My guest for today is Shamia Fagan from. Portland, Oregon, where she's a partner at HKM Employment Attorneys. Shamia is recognized as the working parents lawyer because she focuses her practice specifically on workplace challenges facing other working parents, including wrongful terminations based on pregnancy discrimination, family leave, sick leave, sexual harassment, and marital status discrimination. Shamia was recently honored with the Portland Business Journal's Top 40 Under 40 Award and recognized as a rising star by the Super Lawyers National Publication. And as if that is not enough, Shamia is also an Oregon legislator serving her second term in the Oregon House of Representatives. She serves as uh, on the Business and Labor Committee and as the chair of the Consumer Protection Committee. Shamia lives in the Portland suburbs with her husband, her son, two dogs, and two cats. And as you can imagine, she's often asked, how do you do it all? (laughs) Well, the answer, until she discovers more than 24 hours a day, is her devotion to time management principles. Devotion is a nice way to characterize this obsession. Others might say she's a productivity zealot. Either way, she's on a perpetual quest to work smarter so she can play harder. And that is why she shares time management tips for other lawyers as the efficient attorney on Facebook. But we're here to talk about podcasting. Shamia has a brand new podcast called The Working Parents Lawcast. And she's also a, a part of the team behind the filler, the the, filler, the Hillary Fancast. Forgive me. Shamia Fagan, thanks for being with us.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: So what was it that first turned you on to podcasts?
1: Well – Really, being a podcast junkie myself, <laughs> I mean, I I was pretty much an early adopter of podcasts. I remember listening to Grammar Girl and a few others back in maybe oh six oh seven. And today, I'm probably subscribed to gosh, probably thirty or more podcasts. I listen to podcasts on you know, parenthood, sports, politics, current sure. events, humor, law, entrepreneurship, productivity, marketing. The list kind of goes on, but. I've just never really been a big music listener. I'm not musical at all myself and don't really have a particular genre that I that I gravitate to. So when I discovered podcasts, I really have had that be my preferred mode of kind of background tasking when I'm doing other things. Because I pretty much pretty much listen to podcasts when I'm cooking, cleaning, driving, walking. I even Recently started listening to podcasts at the movie theater, which might sound odd if uh, you think, why pay for a ticket? But I have a three-year-old, and he's in that phase where he wants to watch the same movie over and over, and we don't let him watch any TV at home. And so we introduced him to the movie theater this year, and I've now seen the Inside Out movie five (laughs) times. And so when he wants to go, I say, sure. And I just go. I pop in my earbuds. I listen to a podcast, and he's thrilled. And uh, so that's kind of my – Particular affinity for podcasts, okay. but what led me to podcasting myself was most recently, as you mentioned in your intro, I'm an Oregon legislator and I have to run for re election mm-hmm. every two years. And in 2014, I was campaigning for my re election and I would listen to podcasts while I canvassed. Mm-hmm. For your listeners who aren't really familiar with local politics, those races are not won by, you know, big televised debates and interviews. They're really won by shoe leather, mm-hmm. canvassing, you just pound the pavement, knock on doors. And by the end of my campaign in 2014, I was out canvassing 20 to 30 hours a week. Wow. And I really saw that as an opportunity to listen to audiobooks and podcasts. So I purchased three Bluetooth earbuds that I could kind of hide under my hair. Hmm. And I had three because each of them had about a four hour battery life. And some days, <sighs> you know, you're out canvassing for eight or nine hours. So I would literally queue up a podcast, start walking the streets. And when I approached the door, you know, I'd knock, I'd have my phone in my hand ready to pause the podcast if voters answered the door. But, you know, even on a good canvassing day, 60 to 70% of the people aren't home. Uh So if no one would answer, I would just keep listening to my podcast and Head to the next house, and at that time, I was considering leaving my law firm job and going out on my own, but I had not, no idea how. Mm-hmm. So I was listening to legal marketing podcasts like New Solo with Adriana Linares, sure. um, Legal Marketing Made Easy, JD Blogger, mm-hmm. The Enchanting Lawyer, etc. cetera. I'm sure I would have listened to your show if it had been on <laughs> in 2014, and I would just basically you know, find a new podcast, download their entire back catalog, and then just binge listen – And it was really during those three or four months of canvassing that I, number one, you know, developed the courage and got excited about starting my own practice and two, decided that when I did, I would do a podcast. So it's taken me about six months to get it all organized and decide my target market, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And we launched literally next week, which is August. So we launched basically the first week of September in 2015.
0: Okay. And so talk about the new show, The Working Parents Lawcast. Tell me what that's all about.
1: So I focus my legal work on workplace issues for working parents, and so I thought it would be fun to have a podcast that's re- that's intended to reach working parents. Now, we don't do – I won't do just legal topics, and I won't – even when I do legal topics, I won't do strictly kind of employment legal topics. I'm a working mom myself, so I literally just sat down and brainstormed the po- the blogs I've read or podcasts I've read or, you know, other information that I follow on Facebook that I find really useful. And so I decided that I would either do myself a podcast episode or interview someone on those topics. And so, you know, some examples are in our first, we've got about seven episodes in the queue. Uh And in one of our first episodes, I interviewed one of the owners of the country's largest consignment sale for kids in maternity clothes. It's called Just Between Friends. It's Uh in pretty much every state. I also interviewed a parenting coach about how to keep Cool during those daily hot spots with your kids. I have a three year old. So Could
0: have there's... used that this morning myself.
1: Yeah. Yes, exactly. So I interviewed an estate planning lawyer about why young families, even broke young mm-hmm. families, should have some basic will and trust planning. And I plan to interview like a juvenile criminal defense lawyer about what to do if your kid gets in trouble. Mm-hmm. I have a photographer in the queue about how to take great pictures of your own kids. And so I do record some solo episodes. About, I did record one on pregnancy discrimination. I recorded one on practical things to do if you're facing harassment or discrimination at work and you don't want to lose your job, but you want to stand up for yourself. So at this point, I expect the blend to be one solo episode of me and then two interviews, one solo of me and so on. But I just want to really reach other working parents about topics that are interesting. And then obviously the intro and outro, I mentioned that the podcast is sponsored by my law firm uh-huh. but it's kind of more of a subtle call to action at the sure. end of my outro it'll always say you know if you or someone you know has been a victim of wrongful termination text got fired to 33444 where i have basically a free what to expect from a wrongful termination lawsuit in plain english uh-huh. pdf kind of a 15 page not not uh, like 15 pages full of text, but I use Canva to create kind of a nice graphic, but just basically things that everyday people don't know about, about what a lawsuit feels like, what the process is. So they get that automatically via lead digits. And uh, yeah, so I imagine that it'll be a fun podcast, but I'm also focusing not just on the technical side of the law, Uh but really practical tips for the fact that most people are still working and are not actually facing a lawsuit and want to know practical tips about how to make their workplace work for them when they stand up for their rights.
0: Great. Okay. So talk about the tech end of things a little bit. Now, you, you've been working with uh, the others on this uh, Hillary fan cast. Um, was that your first time out as a, as a podcaster? And um, how'd you get the tech set up for that and for this one?
1: Yes, the Hillary Fancast is kind of a hobby podcast, but I definitely did it with the intention of testing the waters so that when I launched my legal podcast that I had some of the learning curve already conquered. Mm -hmm. And so I am kind of a techie geek, but – just an, I know just enough to be dangerous and to really let myself sink into a hole because I really like learning about it. So I made the decision early on with the fan cast to outsource that. So I use Podfly Productions for everything. They, I mean, I wrote the script for my intro and outro, but they got the voiceover. They did the mm-hmm. music. I literally just dropped the episode in Dropbox, and I don't see it again until it comes out on iTunes a few days later. I can... In throughout the podcast, if something goes badly or we need to edit something out, I'll just say right in the microphone, Podfly, please edit that out. And then they know to do it. So I really don't have to do much of anything. That's great. And they do it all. And it's, you know, I just found that I knew I would end up, if I did my own editing, Mm -hmm. I knew I would end up in the weeds, wanting to re record portions and thinking of new stuff. I just know myself well enough to know that. And Podfly is really affordable. I think it's. They've just upped their prices, but I think it's around 300 or $325 a month, yeah. and that's for a weekly show, including the show notes, mm-hmm. and literally they just do everything for me. So as much as I like the tech, I decided early on I kind of knew myself well enough to know that I could get really consumed with the tech part of it if I tried to do it myself.
0: Sure, sure. What kind of microphone are you using?
1: I am using an Audio-Technica ATR 2100, I think is the number. Yeah.
0: That's the go-to choice for podcasters nowadays. That's great.
1: And then I bought – there's – I can't remember. I bought it on Amazon uh-huh. and then you see the people who bought this also bought. Yeah. And there was this great – there's like a set of six different foam covers yeah. in different colors. So that's really fun. <laughs> so yeah. like on, I'm a big Denver Broncos fan and one of my – Hillary Fancast co-hosts is also, she's in Nevada and she's a big so on game days. I always have an orange cover if we're recording on a game day. So it's it's kind of fun.
0: That's cute. Okay. So what was the what were some of the challenges in getting things going for the for the podcast, the recordings and things?
1: For the fan cast, it was convincing my other two co-hosts that it could be something we could do that would not be super time consuming. Okay. I had already committed myself that I was going to do a podcast. I already bought the equipment. We use GoToMeeting instead of Skype because oh. my aunt is one of the co-hosts and she's the one in Nevada and I just knew she's just not super techy and having a Skype account and all of that I knew would stress her out. So GoToMeeting
0: huh.
1: is you can also record it but you don't the other person does not have to have an account. You uh-huh. literally just send them a link mm-hmm. and then everything's everything's online. So we do and we use the video conferencing as well just with three people when you can't see each other, you end up talking over each other a yeah. lot. So we, we do the video with go to meeting. And yeah, I really had to convince them that we could do it in a way that would not be something they would start to dread, that it would be something that would be a burden to them, but there would be something fun. So that's for the, the one I have co-hosts with mm-hmm. the working parents law cast. For me, really, it was just finding the time and committing the time to getting it set up. I had about four interviews in the can before I finally recorded my first solo episode Mm because I found the interviews to be a lot easier. As you probably noticed, you (laughs) just have questions you ask and the other person does all the talking. (laughs) Whereas a solo episode, you know, I had to map it out. I had to, particularly since my solo episodes are a little bit more legal heavy, I had to make sure everything was, all the information was up to date, Mm -hmm. accurate, and it just took a lot more time. So I think that was the hardest part was just, sitting down writing the script for my own solo episodes uh and, and to actually get myself to get it started
0: okay okay so you raised you you brought up the the question of time both with your co-hosts on the on the Hillary cast and and um just you know the amount of time it takes you to get set up so let's address that it's a big objection i think most lawyers have is you know hey this is what we sell our time so how much time really are you putting into getting your show together for each episode
1: so for the fan cast, it's hard to d- determine the time because it's stuff I'd be doing anyway. I okay. mean, I obviously would be. I'm a, kind of a big political junkie, so yeah. I'd be reading these stories anyway. So, but if you still include those things, I'd be doing anyway. Probably an hour of prep time. Just what we typically do on the fan cast is we pick a topic, and then we all try and find articles that relate to that topic, and then we basically have a decent discussion on those topics on the show. And so. You know, I obviously have to seek out information. So it's probably about an hour for the prep. And mm-hmm. then the show itself is about an hour. Okay. And then I, like I said, I literally put it in Dropbox. But then once it comes out, then I, even for, because we use the simple podcast press mm-hmm. on our website, because a lot of our market of Hillary, kind of Hillary supporters are older women who uh-huh. are not super tech heavy so we have a pretty decent amount of people who listen to the podcast on our website okay so i have to go into wordpress i typically will create a canva use canva to create a graphic with uh-huh. kind of the title of the episode and so that probably takes another 30 minutes the uh-huh. day the show comes out to go on canva create the graphic publish it on wordpress and literally with podfly and, and Libsyn, everything just bleeds right into there. So I don't yeah. have to do anything other than add a photo and click publish. And then I also usually create a more social media friendly size of graphic, also using Canva. Sure. And then I share the episode on social. So that's probably 30 to 45 minutes a week. So total, I'd say about three hours for the fan cast. Mm-hmm. For the Working Parents Law cast, I don't think it'll be a weekly amount of time because I'm batching episodes. Sure. So I, I'm trying to get about, seven or I had about I think I had seven episodes in the can where we're ready to launch now and that's kind of going to be my practice is is to try and do seven or eight in the can so I think that I think it's more appropriate to say it'll take me maybe three or three or so hours a month for the working parents law cast once now that it's kind of going mm-hmm. to actually do the interviews reach out to people but the nice thing about and i know that some people do a podcast that's not on their legal legal topic the nice thing i'm already noticed only though i've only recorded a few solo episodes of the lawcast is the reason i like it is it's on my legal you know on my the topic of my legal practice yeah. and so i'm kind of learning as i go i mean i'm realizing that oh this law is up to date and mm-hmm. i'm thinking through practical advice i can give clients because particularly in employment law you don't always get the standard you know what's the legal answer to this question you sometimes get what's the practical answer to this question and so i find that while i'm spending maybe like i said three or four hours a month maybe was what i'll spend on the law cast it's not it's not time wasted and not only because of the marketing benefits of a podcast but because i'm actually continuing to be refresh refresh my knowledge Mm -hmm. and stay up to date on my practice
0: yeah i found that in my substantive law podcast i also uh find that it makes me a better lawyer keeping up on you know what's new in the in the, in the field and uh, having to sort of brief those cases and you know go back to law school every week to do the show right so it's 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 good for the lawyering, I think yeah so it's too soon to say you know that this is benefiting your practice, but it sounds like you're optimistic about that, yeah,
1: definitely. I mean, I expect it to really help me speak directly to my mm-hmm. target market. And, you know, as I said, I, while I'm a partner of a firm that represents <laughs> wrongfully terminated workers for any reason, I have that personal passion for working families. Mm-hmm. And so I get to speak directly to my target market each week. And now I'm I'm being realistic about what the download numbers will be. And I'll actually even share those because I, I find that a lot of podcasts don't share download numbers. For, so for our work, our Hillary fan cast, and mind you, we haven't done any advertising. I don't yeah. even know how you advertise a podcast. I think that's still being kind of figured out but we don't do any advertising it's basically just been Mm -hmm. social sharing word of mouth and we each episode kind of by the when it's lifespan kind of because with our hillary fan cast, it's a time sensitive obviously we're talking about a topic that's somewhat time sensitive so we find that it's about three or four weeks when an episode kind of hits its lifespan and by the end of a lifespan there's usually been about 150 downloads okay and so i'm and so I am being realistic about my working parents law cast, thinking, okay, I'm not John Lee Dumas. I'm not going to have, you know, hundreds of thousands of downloads every week, but I still thought about it. And even if let's say I got those same numbers and I had 150, you know, downloads, and, and I think this show will be more evergreen in its mm-hmm. content, but even if, you know, I'm like, what other lawyers have their target market listening to them for, you know, my podcast is about 20 to 30 minutes. So mm-hmm. for about 20 to 30 minutes every week. Not a lot of lawyers that are doing any kind of marketing have that kind of reach. So I'm being really modest in my expectations for my numbers, particularly at first, because as you've probably found, it's hard to advertise a podcast. Sure. <laughs> uh, you know, you put it out on Facebook, but then, you know, we found that with our website, which is really the only way you can share a podcast, mm-hmm. we'll end up having a decently high bounce rate because it'll be a great topic. I use Amy Porterfield's kind of cheat sheet about mm-hmm. headline writing her formula for how to write kind of a good headline for the podcast title yep. but people will click on it and they'll realize they have to sit and listen to it and they'll bounce out yeah and so even if you put it on facebook it's hard to actually encourage people to go to itunes mm-hmm. and stuff so so I, I i am being modest in my expectations but i think it will help my practice because every week just via osmosis people will hear that intro mm-hmm. and outro mm-hmm. In any marketing i'm going to do is going to be focused in Oregon and Washington which is where i'm licensed to practice sure. mm-hmm. so i am optimistic and and i don't think there's and you probably would know this better than me but to my knowledge there's no other Oregon lawyers podcasting and so i think that also it'll be neat as it it gets some legs and gains some traction mm-hmm. to talk to other lawyers about it and to tell other lawyers that this is a legitimate means of reaching your target market
0: i agree yeah yeah i like what you had to say about you know Your modest download numbers of 150 or so, you know, per episode. If you imagine standing in front of a room of 150 people every week and having them paying attention to what you're saying, it's that's a meaningful audience for someone who's marketing a law practice. Absolutely. If you were doing estate planning and holding those seminars that estate planners seem to love to do, (laughs) you know, having 150 people show up every week would be awesome.
1: Yeah, be amazing.
0: Yeah, so. Okay. So have you encountered any of the nightmare moments yet in the recordings, problems with technology, anything like that?
1: I wish I could say no. See, I (laughs) listened to so many podcasts and I heard so many podcasts ask this question that I I literally had this list of all these things to check so that I never ran into these. And yet it just happens. I've had one episode that for some reason – in fact, I was using Skype with the Pamela call recorder Mm – and when we got to the end of it, and it was the one interview I did in my initial set of interviews where I didn't know the person beforehand. So mm-hmm. I felt like this person was doing me a real favor to be yeah. on my show. This person didn't know me, unlike my other early interviews or personal friends. And it was this horrible audio. There was this mm-hmm. weird popping sound about every three seconds for the whole 20 minutes. Oh, wow. So I had to re-record that. He was fine. But – that wasn't so much a nightmare because he was so great about it. I wouldn't say I've had a nightmare moment, but my nightmare issue finally got resolved. But I was having consistent audio issues, even when I was recording directly into into Audacity mm-hmm. with no, I would literally turn my computer into airplane modes. So there was yeah. no Wi Fi at all. And still, Toward the end of the episode, it would start skipping or it would make my voice slow, like that. Mm -hmm. And so I got on Podfly, part of their package that you purchase is you get their tech guy. Mm -hmm. So I jump on probably five or six times with their tech guy. I ended up getting a new microphone. That didn't solve it. I went from recording in one program to Audacity. That didn't solve it. And it turns out after we eliminated everything else, my computer, which – was a really nice HP ultra book. It should have absolutely been able to handle it. the The Scott, who's the tech guy with Podfly, just mm-hmm. said, I think your computer's just a dud. It's a computer issue. We've mm-hmm. tried different software. We've tried different mics we've put the internet completely off. And so yeah. that was the most frustrating thing. And that literally just got resolved like in the last couple of weeks where I finally, I would record entire episodes of my solo practice mm-hmm. and then I'd realize it wasn't usable because they were skipping out words. And particularly when you're doing a legal podcast, you yeah. definitely don't want to skip words because <laughs> <laughs> you know people miss the word not. Right. <laughs> and and uh, that's a big deal sometimes yeah. in, in a legal podcast. So, <laughs> So, yeah, that was my big issue. So I got a new computer. I'm hoping that all of that is resolved. But that was really frustrating because it made – I had set up a workflow so that this podcast would not be something that that became a drag or mm-hmm. was too time-consuming for me to do. Yeah. And these audio issues made me constantly have to repeat stuff, which obviously was very inefficient and right. frustrating, particularly when there was no end in sight to understand what the problem was. Sure. So. Yeah, that wasn't so much a nightmare moment as it was kind of a persistent nightmare sound issue. Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. What about favorite moments or favorite experiences so far?
1: I think my favorite experiences obviously have to come from the law cast, or excuse me, the fan cast, Mm -hmm. the Hillary fan cast, because we haven't actually gone live yet with the other one. Although it is really fun when people that you don't know are just willing to be on your podcast, particularly when you can make it so easy. Mm -hmm. Just, hey, you don't have to go anywhere. I'm happy to just you know just grab them. I actually send people a microphone because I found that I just bought about four of the Yeti snowball mics, and uh, they're only about forty bucks a piece on Amazon. And I just I literally I use Mm stamps.com and I print out the mailing label and a return label, and that way I know they're going to have good audio. But anyway, that the the fan cast. I think my favorite moment. I mean, obviously, it's been a blast to be on the show. Mm-hmm. But I think when I first saw that we had an international audience on Libsyn, because I get a little yeah. bit obsessive about looking at our Libsyn stats. And and at this point, we're probably in 10 different countries. And I think there was just that neat moment just realizing that once your pod your podcast catches on, its ability to really spread like wildfire. And just, and we have listeners in Korea and Denmark and Ireland. And just, it's just amazing to think that there's, there's that reach and that people feel that you're helping them feel connected for, you know, in our case to a certain campaign, mm-hmm. but you know, whatever your field is, you're making people feel connected from all over the world. And that's a really exciting feeling to be able to facilitate that.
0: Yeah. So what is it you think about, what is it that makes this medium podcasting an effective tool?
1: I think the versatility of how and when you can listen to it. I mean I am – my friends joke and call me the podcast evangelist Mm -hmm. because I'll find somebody who's not listening to podcasts and when I tell them, as I mentioned earlier, all the different opportunities that I have – driving, cooking, cleaning – you know, all these different opportunities, people realize that they, you know, they'll be grumbling about, oh, I haven't able to finish a book in two years. Like, well then get audible.com. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've listened to my commute to the Capitol when we're in session for the legislature. It's about a two and a half hour round trip and I do it almost every day. I only stay down in Salem one night a week. Uh-huh. And I'm I love that time because I could listen to two, sometimes two books in a week or or a bunch of different podcasts. And so I think that people there's such a convenience to it. I know a lot of people talk about the intimacy of people being right in your ear Mm -hmm. and that's true as well. But for me, it's just the convenience of being able to consume information, information that I really want Mm -hmm. while I'm driving or cooking or walking or at, you know, inside out for the fifth time or whatever it may be. I just think there's a great convenience to it that I hope, I hope more lawyers will really get involved. I'd love if you know, in in a particular field of law, I've actually thought about doing it myself when I get this podcast rolling, but i'd I'd love to have a lawyer that just did updates on employment law mm-hmm. and just like you know, they don't have to do it every week, but whenever there's a big case that comes down because being able to consume that via audio and you know have them go through the case, maybe interview the attorney that actually argued and won at the appeal court of appeals. Yeah. Um, would just be amazing and to be able to consume that. In audio form, instead of having to find the time to read the update from the Oregon State Bar, which can be really difficult to find that time once sure. we're in front of our computers, I find that when I'm in front of my computers, I am working yeah i am not I'm not listening to stuff I don't have a lot of time to read mm-hmm. extra articles, and so podcasting creates i mean i i have a literally i have a bluetooth speaker in my shower <laughs> i mean i when I say I'm obsessed with podcasts, I mean obsessed wow, and I literally will like. It kind of squeegees onto the wall in the shower and I'll be listening to a podcast and then I can just pop it off the wall and stick it on my mirror when I'm getting ready in the morning listening to podcasts. And so there's incredible convenience to it. That's why I think it's an effective medium.
0: <laughs> Would you recommend it to other lawyers for their marketing?
1: If they could be good, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I mean I think, that if, I think the biggest key for lawyers is to, is to identify a target market. Right. Not to identify a target topic. I think, that you know, if I'm a personal injury lawyer, for example, I don't know a lot of people that want to listen to a podcast about car crashes every week. So you you haven't identified a market of people. You've identified a topic. But if I'm a personal injury lawyer, I might love college football. Well, do a podcast about college football and Mm -hmm. sponsor it by your personal injury practice, or do a podcast about motorcycle riders and then remind them in the intro and the outro that Mm -hmm. you uh, represent people who've been injured in a motorcycle crash, right? I just think, you know, if you're an estate planning lawyer, you know, your topic is estate planning, but your target is maybe people over 50 who make over $60,000 a year, Mm -hmm. right? So that's your market. And so think of all the things they'd want to know about, not just walking them through estate planning every week, but what's, what are all the topics? So I think it can be very effective for lawyers. I think the key is to identify a target market, not a target topic. And I think I, as I, I don't think I've seen any lawyers podcasting that I think don't do this well, but I think I've noticed some lawyers who blog who don't do this well, Mm -hmm. who think, oh, I'm a, this kind of lawyer, therefore I have to write a topic, you know, or even on Facebook, it's like Mm -hmm. people will have a, have a, facebook page for their law practice and they're sharing like car crash stories every yeah. week but like, nobody's gonna follow you nobody wants to hear about that and if and until they've been in a car crash but identify a market and then talk to them and obviously soft sell every time remind them who's sponsoring the podcast yeah i think that's the key
0: okay well what have i not asked that you think i should
1: am i gonna do any more podcasts
0: in the future <laughs> okay what's the answer
1: Yes, I am also in the process. So I want to get the working parents law cast off the ground, but I already am in the planning stages for a productivity podcast just for lawyers. So it'll be called The Efficient Attorney, which is my Facebook page, Mm -hmm. facebook.com slash The Efficient or Efficient Attorney. And I've already started a list of just, you know, there's Evernote, but there's particular ways I use Evernote in my practice that I think, you know, would be really cool for other lawyers to know or Dropbox or Inbox Zero for lawyers. So I am in the process of – I probably, for people who are listening to this later than, than, you know, kind of August of 2015, I probably will launch this at the end of 2015 or early 2016, and it will be a podcast that's, you know – 15, 20 minutes max. Just a quick talk topic. Get in, get out. But specific productivity manage you know, time management for lawyers. Okay. And then of course I'll do other. I mean I love it so much as a medium. If you can't tell, I love to talk. I'm a politician and a lawyer, so uh, don't <laughs> ever. It's, it's dangerous thing to put a microphone in front of me.
0: And I guess I gather you don't sleep at all.
1: <laughs> I, I do sleep. I I have kind of an odd sleep pattern. I recognize <laughs> that I can get away with a couple of nights in a row of of about six hours and 15 minutes of sleep, and then I need kind of one full one. So I I definitely, I also am a kind of a grossly early riser. I wake up without an alarm about 4.30 most mornings. So I just get to work. You know, I usually get two or three hours of my workday done before my Mm -hmm. son even wakes up, which allows me to then spend some time with him Mm -hmm. and, uh, and stuff. So, and I am a big kind of productivity time management zealot. So I, I find that, if I make the most of the time that I am working instead of getting distracted with Facebook or other things like that, I find that if I, I do that, then I actually can work a good you know, solid 35 or 40 hours a week every week and probably mm-hmm. get done with a lot of other lawyers get done in 50 or 60-hour work
0: weeks. That's terrific. All right. Give us the URLs. How can people reach you if they have questions or interest in being in touch?
1: So for the hobby podcast, co- fo- uh, excuse me, the hobby podcast, I think I did the same thing you did in the <laughs> intro. Yeah. That's a hard, hard to say. The hobby podcast, and just as a warning, it is a it's not an objective podcast. It is three people that are definitely Hillary supporters, so don't expect kind of ob- objectivity or whatever. But that's the HillaryFanCast.com, or obviously HillaryFanCast on iTunes. Okay. And the Working Parents LawCast will also be on iTunes and Stitcher, and the URL for that will be the, just be www.WorkingParentsLawCast.com. And my, my actual website for just kind of my law practice is workingparents.lawyer. dot lawyer. It's pretty cool that GoDaddy now sells the dot lawyer domain. Mm-hmm. They're more expensive than the other ones, but so yeah, workingparents.lawyer or my that's kind of my where I give lots of free information to working parents. And then my legal website is just hkm.com slash portland.
0: Portland. Okay, great. Well listen, this has been a terrific interview. You've been fascinating to talk to and I, um, I'm i very grateful. I'm sure the listeners have gotten a lot out of it. So thank you for joining us.
1: Thank you, Gordon. I really appreciate you having me on.
0: All right. Well, I'm going to say thank you to the listeners as well. Uh, please take a moment to send us your comments and suggestions on the website at lawpodcaster.com. And if you wouldn't mind giving us a review in the iTunes store, that would be very, very welcome. And that about wraps it up for this episode. If you are interested in podcasting for your law practice, head on over to lawpodcasting.com and I'll send you some freebies. Until next time. Keep on podcasting.